God Almighty, it is the Sweat Equity Podcast. I'm your host, Law Smith. Uh, we are without Caleb Putty again. We save his chair open like Elijah at Seder. He'll be missed for the next uh, six to eight weeks. He is working on the scouting blog, so we'll make this episode brought to you by the scouting blog. Check out his website. Just Google it. I'm not sure if it's thescoutingblock.com or scouting blog, but go just Google it, find it. Uh, find him on Instagram and Facebook, like all that stuff. Basically, he's becoming, uh, he'll what he'll do, and I'll, I, I make fun of him because I say he films high school boys, but <laughs> basically that voice you're hearing on the other side is productivity expert Nick Snap, uh, Make It Snappy podcast. Let him hear you. Yeah, yeah I'm Nick feel- Snap. I'm, I'm <laughs> making it snappy right now. See, I, have, I told you I got that tangent highway meets add stuff so as i'm doing the as i'm doing the plug for him i'm like well i'll just bring you into this uh because he so caleb basically has this company the startup he's been working on for a while it it's been doing well and you know he was real bummed that he can't participate as much with sweat equity podcast uh, the next couple of weeks but i was like dude go do it that's what this podcast is about yeah. it's about basically going I have this idea. I have this dream business. This is what I want to do. And so he uh, he films high school baseball tournaments, and then he kind of flips around, and he has the connections with coaches and uh, and baseball scouts in college and pro. So the way I told him, this is how I said to pitch it to parents, look, you can spend, um, I forget how much it is, to get like good HD he gets a lot of angles. He cuts him up. He's got a team of okay. editors and stuff. It's real awesome. But I was like, think of spending. All right, think of spending like two grand on your kid for that. But that could get you a scholarship. So it might be worth that kind of investment. So and parents are crazier than ever these days about their kids playing sports and like having to be the best. So it's I, a great idea. I think there's always a tar- there's always an audience. You know, because uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever, whatever it takes to get him to the next level kind of deal. So uh, so he's out on doing that and all that. So uh, mazel tov to him. We want to bring uh, before we get into it. Uh, remember, go on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review. That's the cheat code to get you up the rankings. Did you know that? Yeah, it's a cheat <laughs> code. I mean, there's a lot of controversy as to what the ratings and reviews actually do, but. That's what all the comedian buddies of mine tell me that have like some of the, they're in the top shows on uh, iTunes. So I just I take their their advice. No, you got to get the ratings and reviews. It's just at what cost, right? <laughs> Personal. <laughs> I definitely had someone on our Triple Option podcast, which is our college football one. We'll be starting in August. Uh, we do only do it during the season. Yeah. Um, but we had one. I we asked people to rate and review, and we got one. It was like. I don't, it was like one star. I don't like all the cussing. Oh. And I was like, that sh- this isn't for you. But it's not what you were expecting. You're that dickhead on Yelp that's like, I got it. I got to say something. I got to do that. You know, spite's a better motivator than uh, than altruistic behavior. Yes, and losing something is a better motivator than gaining something. I yeah, think it has anything to do with anything? But sure. No, I I no. We I mean we sponsor uh, a thing called Fuck Up Nights. Right. Uh, we have the next one coming. It's a thing that's all over the world. I didn't know that. But basically, it's uh, entrepreneurs get up and they talk about how they fucked up and what they did to get out of it. Okay. So it's like a realistic TED Talk to me. Yeah, straight up. And so I like that way more. You you learn way more b- by fa- like trial and error and failing 
than yes. like seeing a guy in a turtleneck and like a microphone from his ear to his mouth, like, you know, Janet Jackson or Madonna in the nineties, like just, uh, is chewing about, you know, something philosophical. That's what, why we're doing this podcast is it's realistic advice. And it, it usually goes one of two ways. Either, um, we kind of see like, how did you get from, you know, what you wanted to do to how you got there. Sure. Those kind of disciplines. I got up every morning at five thirty and I ran and that helped me clear my head. And then the rest of the day became easier. Yeah, I love stuff that. like that. I think that stuff is really important. Uh, or it's like, uh, actual realistic advice, which I think you can give a lot of, you can do both really, but I'll be philosophical. I mean, no, sure. but I mean you like bring me back in. No, but I mean like you can do, I think you can No, it, it, it can be pragmatic advice. Sure. Like, Hey, uh, you were just showing me your Gantt chart uh, for all your episodes of Make It Snappy with yeah. Nick Snap uh, podcast on productivity iTunes. show. But yeah, it's awesome. a productivity show, so you should have that. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be it'd be a little it'd be a little uh, kind of faking it if you didn't. Yeah, I'd run into that a lot, especially when I'm you know you talk about failures, man. I mean, nobody's perfect. Even the productivity guy fails every now and then. Sure, actually, probably a little bit more than every now and then. And I got this like this. What do I do about this? Do I communicate this? Do I reveal my flaws to all the people who think I'm super ultra productive? But no, it happens to the best of us. You got to be real with it. Yeah. It, I get the same thing with uh, our work here at uh, Tokabaga Consulting. Uh, solving how. That's our that's our new slug line. Um, oh, nice. I get that for um, – because so I'll, I'll go over a, a website we did with someone with a client. They're like – I'm like, huh, I don't know what that is. Like I'll say that out loud trying to like adjust something and like, you don't know what that is. I'm like, I don't know everything about everything. Like (laughs) let me, not everything I can do live in front of you, uh, as far as like editing a website or, or like, uh, (laughs) looking at marketing metrics at first blush. I can't tell you exactly what these insights mean. I can tell you mostly, but I'll, I'll always go like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't claim to know everything. But that doesn't mean you can't get it done for them. No, no. When we always get it done way ahead of our schedule, it's, yeah, but we get blamed for their delays. Hey, real quick on the uh, the iTunes review thing. Yeah, a little tip that I learned from my man Jay Wong. Uh, he's got a podcast called The Interchange Maker. I'm not sure why I'm getting a shout out, but he's a really he's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, his tip for the rating reviews for all you aspiring podcasters out there, and maybe uh-huh. you, is to get on Facebook Messenger and do a video, a personalized video to the people that you want to rate and review, and they are like I don't know, ninety percent more likely to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good call. That's was, a good gorilla kind of way of doing it. Yeah, and he he got to like the number one in his category, which is self help, in the first few months, number one. I feel like self help guys have a better uh, <laughs> disposition to do stuff like that. I think you're right. Like. I don't know. There's a comedian uh, and motivational speaker, Kyle Cease, and I, that immediately came to my head about like, oh yeah, yeah, I could see him being like, hey man, will you take five minutes and and help me out? You know, like yeah, you that feel kind of bad thing. if you don't. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like uh, let's just try to make this the best show, and hopefully it gets shared. So for those listening, make sure to share it with a friend, share it with a loved one, uh, share it with your friend that is looking for realistic business advice and. Um, if you go back in all our episodes, we we've tried to, f- I've tried to have a good kind of uh, smattering of different smattering. Is that a word? Smattering, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure. I had a teacher that said it all the time. Uh, smattering and um, homunculus for a little man <laughs> was another <laughs> word he used. Uh, but um, like, we try to have a good contrast of uh, of 
uh, interviews. So sure. after this, I think we have a uh, marketing director for Solo Salon Studios. And after that, I think we have uh, Brian Schaefer, who owns Skate Park of Tampa and the bricks and the building we're sitting in. So because yeah. I, I want that, everybody, you'll find through lines through all the interviews. I'm sure you've, you've had that on yours. Oh, definitely. Are you do most of them local, though? I try to. Okay. Uh, Jenny from uh, from Sola, she's in Denver, so we're gonna do that via Skype. Which yeah, I was is doing that tricky. for like the local for like the first six or seven episodes. Then I went to Finland <laughs> and called called a guy named Timo Kianda from Finland, who's in my space, and it just kind of blew it out the water. So I figured, okay, I'll just go everywhere. I feel like Finland would be very good about uh, productivity efficiency. Oh yeah. I feel like they've got it kind of nailed over there. They do. I so think they do. So how do you get into this? Like how are you were, we were talking off mic. Neither of us had that uh, innate ability to be super productive. Sure. And I have a lot of friends now that are like, "Are you working? Are you like, are you working because you have to pay? Like, are you, do you have cancer or something that you need to pay these bills and you're working all the time?" I'm like, "No, I see it as uh, I was a lazy kid growing up until I did my entrepreneurship business classes at, uh, at Auburn in undergrad. Okay. And it clicked and it was like, Oh, I, now I, this is something I'm good at in school. I was, math was uh, good for me. And then everything else was hard. It just didn't light you up. Yeah. It wasn't that it was hard. I don't think it was taught in a, a great way, but math could click no matter how boring calculus was for me. Yeah. I could figure it out. I was good with that. But like, uh, English, um, sci- even science, which now I find myself reading more about uh, history. I can't pay attention to unless it's like Dan Carlin's history podcast, you know. Yeah. So like, I th- I feel like you you were saying you have that similar thing where I was lazy, and then I was like, well, or just not productive, not doing a lot, and then I was like, yeah. oh, this is what I want to do. I love stand up, and I want to do that forever, but I don't see that. I don't. I don't. I look at the guys who are way ahead of me and I don't see that as a life that's awesome of being on the road 48 weekends a year, you know, like yeah. five days a week. For I those hear games. you. I mean, uh, productivity for me, I got into it at a necessity. I mean, I was in a situation where I was working already, I don't know, an hour away and I got moved to another facility that was like an hour and a half, two hours away, especially in traffic. I think my longest commute was like two hours, 20 minutes, ridiculous. Uh-huh. One way. And I remember making the commitment to myself well, taking a step back, it was like, okay, work smarter, not harder. I'm like, yeah, that's good advice, but what what does that mean? You know, that's one of those sayings. <laughs> I'm like, I kind of hate it, but it makes sense. You know, yeah, I mean, it was in my, in my head, and I'm like, okay, well, that's great, but give me some application of how I can do this in my situation. And then when I was forced to go to a facility that was, you know, at the risk of being a over two hour commute. I said, I'm not giving the, they're forcing me to go over here. I'm not going to give them more time than I gave them before. So I got there and I forced myself out of necessity to develop these systems and processes that worked that yeah. would allow me to leave on time. And I didn't want to sacrifice it with my family. It's just, it was like a no go for me. It was almost a stubborn, like I'm going to do this whether you like it or not. So making that commitment, I learned how to set boundaries with people. I learned how to not let them linger in my office for 45 minutes, how to cut them off early, mm-hmm. how to schedule my days. And I wasn't even in there like reading that much about time management or anything. I didn't even really do that much research. I just iterated on my own process and find, found things that worked. And then I, I did that for, I don't know, my year, year and a half. And I remember getting um, asking my boss back then. I was like, hey, I got a new boss. That's what it was. I got a new boss, and the old one used to let me come in um, 
or not come in once a week if I wanted to. He's like, hey, if you don't have anything going on that's critical, you can go ahead and work from home. That's fine. Great. Well, mm-hmm. I got a new one. All right. And he told me, no, I need you here. And that lit some sort of spark. Michael Gerber calls it the entrepreneurial seizure in uh, the E-Myth book. I had my seizure. And I'm like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know why he's in the position he's in. He right. doesn't get it. He doesn't. He wants control. He yeah. doesn't understand that I'm way more productive if I'm got a little flexibility. Yeah, and I'm and I have autonomy and freedom. That's the kind of thing that motivates people in in lar- these large corporations. So it, it was that point I had my seizure. It was 2011. It was March 7th. Like a real seizure or like uh, a fictitious seizure of like <laughs> frustration. I can't tell. It was it was a total metaphor metaphorical seizure. But okay, I was I like, just, I'm taking the the metaphor from the book, but it felt like a seizure, man. Because sure. I, I I remember felt alive i'm like okay, I'm, I'm gonna get i'm gonna get this i'm gonna figure this out uh-huh. i don't want anybody to have control over my life like this anymore so my original motivations were very very selfish for why i wanted to start a business and because of that i felt like i was grinding and on this hamster wheel because i didn't really know all i knew is that i wanted to replace my income and get out of the situation this lack of control that i had and over time it took about five years i really started learning and educating myself and reading books and realizing you know what if i'm gonna get in a business for myself I need to be helping people. Mm-hmm. I need to find some sort of way to add value, and then the money will come. So when I, when I kind of switched that paradigm, I realized that I got this skill set that I developed, one, by having this long commute, and two, by figuring out how to how to sort of hack corporate, you know, the productive things I could do in corporate to, to make mm-hmm. the most efficient use of my time yep. and not let this guy control me. Um, I decided to turn that into a business and help other people get their time back, too. Nice. And yeah. I, I think... Um I, you know, it, it comes out of frustration and that's yeah. why I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say OCD because obviously, I mean, I was, it's almost embarrassing how like disgusting our office has been. And <laughs> you started your first podcast episode in here and it doesn't look too different. <laughs> like yeah, it's six months later, whatever. The couch is cleaned up. But there was like, piles of stuff. I think if I remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's also like if I spend too much time making this place look cool, we're not doing the work but at the same time i could spend 20 minutes break up you know sometimes if i'm sitting at a computer too long busting out you know uh some work for a client that that sedentary life start it's starting to kind con- right. i'm starting to be more conscious of that and like get up every hour or go take a walk for 20 minutes without the phone and yeah i mean you, so you've kind of understand the Pomodoro technique a little bit then you've heard of this they all have term. these cool names do, I, I'm gonna do. I need to borrow all these <laughs> I need to memorize these it, it makes sound smart yeah. when you bring it up that's exactly what I was trying to do <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah when you sit I, I Pomodoro's is just basically taking a timer you want a task and if you the less time you give yourself the task the more likely you're able to be more efficient and work towards it so Pomodoro's for me are anywhere from 25 to 50 minutes set a timer and then when that thing goes off cut myself off and take that walk, go downstairs, whatever you got to do and clear your head. And then you come back and you'll be more fresh and, and ready to do the job. You can do a couple different problem doors to, to take care of the task or maybe one will take care of the whole thing, depending on what you're doing. But splitting that up is just crucial. There's these little things that you, we take for granted, especially when we be kind of ingrained in the corporate world to just work and be at your desk and make it look like you're doing things and you kind of learn how to hack the system by just kind of making yourself look busy. But in reality, if you want to get things done, the the three most boring pieces of advice in the world, it's like eat right, exercise and get sleep. Well, that part of that and the, the ability to focus is, is by taking those sort of breaks. So that goes, that goes okay. hand in hand with that thing. So, so, yeah. so I mean like, um, 
so take that advice. Now let's really kind of break it down. Sure. Because this is what this is kind of the minutiae stuff I want to get into. It's like, okay, if you use uh, your calendar, you should start using the calendar kind of religiously to get you discipline. So what I talk about when I do consulting, I say our consulting wing of all our services, business efficiencies included, which is like productivity flow or sales flow or uh, sales funnel, marketing funnel, whatever it is. Um, the questions you should be asking, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All that stuff is, it's just disciplines. And so uh, I think we were talking a little bit off mic before this, but, um, you know, I do a meeting now. I make sure, and I used to be really good at this. If I do a client meeting, I spend 10, 15 minutes just writing everything down, organizing it, put it in Evernote. Or After the meeting? Yeah. Yeah. And then kicking it out to anybody that I need to get it to. Sure. I, now I have it in my head, so I'm thoughtful about it now. Um, but if it's something where like I go to, you go to someone's place and you have a meeting at their office, okay, right after the meeting, leave there, go to a Starbucks or whatever is close by, because I I know myself, you know, know thyself. I know my memory sucks, um, and I try to write notes while I'm there. I'm getting in into the, the habit of uh, uh, filming client meetings. Uh, for the video wise really? so okay. well here's a productivity thing I so I pull in a lot of freelancers all over the place so we're kind of an umbrella of you know I may pull you in on something actually I have a lot of stuff for you <laughs> uh, that I, I might want to bring you in for clients that need your help where it, it's a lot of disciplines and business owners they start up because they have like because they're a good chef or because they're uh, they sold one product really well or yeah. did one service, but they never uh, were attuned to their own disciplines to be like, well, I can't run at this speed forever or I'm going to just be like, um, I talked to a cleaning service and she she got it. She was a maid. She came here from Mexico. She's a maid and then was like, yeah, I don't want to be actually doing the, the cleaning. I want to have yeah, a team. You but can't I can't be a I, technician and a business owner at the same time. It doesn't work out. Yeah, and and people are like, well, then I'm gonna lose my fastball, and it's like, no, uh, I see us. Uh, for us, I always said part of our business plan was to have 20% of our time or 10% of our time or whatever towards uh, charities, nonprofits that we can help. So we that. we donate. Yeah, we it's the Google rule. I mean, that's what they yeah. do with their time. It it fosters creativity. It's I want to be community wherever we are. I want that to be part of our our kind of mission. Um, and so like downstairs outside from here, uh, on the other block is like high risk hope. And I told they're for premature babies and I was just like, yeah, I want to put you in our mix to be able to help. I don't know how much time that is, but that's like, we'll donate an hour every week, every month or something. Time and, and resources or, and Mm -hmm. resources. Yeah. Cause uh, again, what a lot of consulting I do is coming in and going, why are you doing this? You should be doing it this way. Yeah. And I like doing that stuff for free anyway. So sure. that's how you know you, you have the job you like because my wife is like, you need to kind of delegate this line a little bit while you're out and about at a party. And I'm like, yeah, but, you, and I'm sure you get this too. You can tell everybody, like, I can give all the advice I want on this podcast. Not everybody's going to take it. Sure. In fact, it's very few and far between <laughs> people that actually – sit down and write down oh that was cool i'm gonna go look that up and try to implement that right i've gotten good at that because 
I was really bad at it. <laughs> well, if there's no skin in the game, it's people are much l- more likely just to let it go in one ear or the other. The other, you know, it's just you gotta. A lot of times, you gotta kind of put your money where your mouth is because it's you're perceived mentally that if I'm paying for this service, it's more valuable, and you can get just as valuable advice over podcasts like we're talking now or yeah. free advice at a party. It's interesting how that works. Well, this is good because like I we now have like somewhere between five hundred and a thousand listeners, right? But nice. the people who are listening are really into it. Like they they come back a lot. Yeah. And that's really cool. Like some of my clients are listening to it and they're like, yeah, this is great. I loved that one, that one, and that one. I listened to the other day and I'm like, oh, weird. Uh, You know, like (laughs) you don't think it's going to come back into like your business world as like they're still listening to my mumbly voice you know, while they're on a jog or getting groceries or something. They so know you better than you think you do. They do. Right? Well, I'm starting to repeat myself, which my, my wife calls me out on a lot. Oh, she listens? No, no, no. She just hears me say the same okay. stuff. Well, <laughs> I don't think she's listened to one episode. So Mine has she, she has to, yeah, but they have to hear us all the time because we'll probably nerd out about like something that's super mundane and just like, you know, um, the task manager I'm using is Zindu or, you know, uh, the harvest, uh, harvest app I use to track time. Oh, that syncs with QuickBooks. That's awesome. Yeah. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> oh, I got Proposify to help cut down the time I make proposals because that's eating up fucking three or four hours every time I'm doing it. And that's frustrating. So that frustration turns into like, let's fix this because I'm miserable doing a, a completely that. new proposal every time when only, you know, five things need to be kind of switched out five pages or so that's cool i haven't heard of proposal five check it out down. it's yeah. good man um it, it it's definitely one of those things that you can't just start doing it all at once but over time if you you know it'll pay itself off in the sense that it's a cloud sharing um cloud sharing proposal yeah. kind of thing so if we're colla- you and i are on a bid together as our our companies are collaborating you and I can kind of add our stuff and you can look at it, revise it whenever you have yeah. time. And then we can both send it. I love the fact they're using harvest though. So time tracking is huge for me. And for, I, I've kind of switched my thinking around tracking your personal time. I used to track every moment of my life to try to figure out where I'm spending it. <laughs> it was ridiculous, but I, I was doing more of an experiment. I did it for about 90 days. Every single moment of my life I'd, I'd be, and I use a time logger too. It was my app, uh-huh. very similar stuff. Uh-huh. And I categorize it, and the goal was to figure out, okay, where am I spending those unknown pockets of my time that I'm not really realizing? We did a couple of things. One, by just tracking your time, you're more diligent on how you spend it, like what what's tracked gets measured and or what's measured, whatever. You know the expression, actually gets attention. No, <laughs> whatever, I don't. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> is this a golf thing? What? Whatever gets measured gets attention, I think is the expression. Okay. Um, but um, so – there's some level of improvement there, but it opened my eyes to realize that when I first launched my podcast, I was spending like nine, almost 10 hours a week on it for for one episode. Oh shit. Ridiculous. I I don't know what I was doing. It was obviously a rookie mistake and stuff, but then uh, that allowed me to start setting these smaller goals and figure out what else am I spending my time on, you know, on email or uh, blogging, you know, how long is that stuff taken? And then asking myself why? So looking at it, tracking my time like every single moment i could take those pieces of time those blocks of time and say okay well i want to reduce this podcast thing down to i shouldn't be spending more than three hours a week on a podcast Mm -hmm. period Mm -hmm. so what do i need to do to build towards that and setting like smaller goals and tracking that and seeing where 
the before and after situations. Tracking my times helped like that. I don't do every moment anymore, but I do track specific times that I know I need to improve. And if I have some sort of hypothesis as to what's eating up my time, tracking the thing that's eating it up and tracking the thing that I want to do. It's like the two two opposite things. Like, well, how do I want to be spending my time and how do I think I'm spending it? Yep. And then setting goals against that. That's been real helpful. Yeah, and it's – so going back to, like, how do you get – to these disciplines yeah i so i'm bad at that so what i had to do to kind of remind myself that i need to track my time like an attorney um mm-hmm. but i want to track everything because maybe i'm spending too much time writing emails uh for potential clients maybe i'm spending way too much time uh w- and for us i want to do mathematical i want to have better transparency on our quotes over time so social media management's a bitch like that mm-hmm. takes a lot of time because uh, if you listen to our last podcast, anybody listening out there, we kind of break it down in like 15 minutes. It You're kind of a mini PR person. Yeah, um, and th- and then you're also, you know, quality control and comments and, and you have to do the creative and you have to get the message and the branding. And a lot of companies don't have that shit ready to go for you. So you have to kind of like you're, you're scrounging for stuff to push. So there's stuff like that where, you know, that should cost more uh per hour or i should a lot more of my quotes so it's like a chicken and egg thing i need to continually like look back at what we're spending mm. but what i had to do in my iCal was go at harv for harvest i need to put in i tried to do this uh five minute reminder in the morning one at lunch and one you know yeah. at like six that can be effective as long as you don't ignore them. I, I noticed when I had these reoccurring things yep. going on every day, I just tended to ignore them. So now I left it a little bit more flexibility in that. But I like what you're saying as far as estimation of time. There's estimation of uh, how thing, how much things cost, like if you're estimating parts and that sort of thing, if you need to actually build infrastructure, and then there's your, just your personal time. Right. And if you don't track that, it's just a guess. And I, I remember like – Oh, the, yeah, man. <laughs> the biggest challenge for me – when I'm trying to set out goals and schedule my day is misestimation. Like I'll, I'll spend two and a half hours on something I thought would only take a half an hour. Right. But it goes back to, if it's only just a project, don't think of yourself having to track every single moment of your life. Like I was doing indefinitely. But (laughs) if you do set out to track those specific little things, you can get better estimations and better quotes, like you're saying, and then better use of your time because you know what you can do. David Allen says you can do anything, but you can't do everything. Yeah, yeah, it's delegate. Yeah, and so thing. you have a product, like I, you break down businesses simply, like, all right, you have a, you're, you're a company that sells a product or you're a company that sells a, a product in a service, like mm-hmm. your auto repair shop or your service uh, company, you know, uh, cleaning, um, uh, lawyer, that kind of thing. Sure. Where it feels like everything's in the ether. Uh, we, we're a service company. You know, we don't, we, the tangible stuff we have is a lot of branding and design stuff. Other than that, it's not, a, it, everything's just on the internet or, you know, in, uh, in project management form and all that stuff. So it's all in the cloud. It's all in Dropbox <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So my thing is, uh, how can I justify our rate in, um, Every service industry that's listening, anybody that has a service company or you have a friend that has a, a, a small business that's service oriented or a freelancer, they have they need to do something like uh, using the Harvest app or some there's a bunch of time accounting apps. Basically, you have to be diligent about that. I don't know, man. I disagree. I, I, th- I think wh- how are you ever going to know your price? Like what's your price worth? Yeah. OK. So, yeah. 
testing the market and see what the the market can bear the, the demand for your that's service that's one part one of pricing but, though but yeah if, if for and this is just me talking law yeah if somebody asks me to justify my rate i don't want to work with them you know i look for clients that sure that will accept the value that i think that i'm worth so i look at okay well, how does this rate make me feel about what i'm doing like when i first started doing the productivity strategy coaching um i was for all intents and purposes, underbidding myself because I wanted to get clients. I didn't really understand that how that would make me feel and how it would be a, a burden. Right, you're know, going to these these different sessions. So once I started pricing what I thought that I was worth and what I wanted to make, it, it was easy work because I wanted to do it and I was inspired. And then you know they're paying more, so they they're inspired to actually take action and do things. So I I don't work with clients that ask me just by my rate. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it can come in roundabout ways, though. And yeah. I agree, it, there, there's a qualified lead part of this, too, that I'm kind of omitting. But I'm saying, like, um, in our in our world, and I think in a lot of just regular professional service industries or companies, kind of industries, no one, the way, pricing's tough. I think that's the toughest thing in business. Yeah. So let's really try to make a data-driven decision on what we're doing other than just looking at the marketplace around us and going, well, we're not as big as that company yet, but you know, we're better than freelancers. So, you know, and our, and our stuff has so many variables and so much uh, stuff. That's a lot of learning process for people that I need to show them like, well, you know, this block of time takes, you know, this is why this like do a website, the exit of the website, we always do a quality control check. We do speed times. We make sure it's SSL secure. You know, all one, two, we have 40 things on a checklist. That's yeah. three hours at least, you know, f- and that's quick. You know, sure. we click every button. Uh, I have uh, proofreaders and everything. So it's one of those things where people are like, for us, it's like we're house contractors. No one knows how much shit costs. They're like, yeah. What's a website like a grand, a hundred grand? I don't know. And it's like, well, here's why I think it costs this much. No, it makes it, yeah, it's scope of work type stuff. And it's funny that the engineer is telling you not to, not to justify. <laughs> not, that I'm, not that I'm doing that. No, absolutely knowing what goes into your products and service. What's the scope of work that you're developing and what that takes you to do it. I look at that more of as an internal function where you need to know what you're worth and what your what your time's worth. And and if you're gonna go and bid on something, have something to base it off of for you. Yeah, but. I, from a client perspective, yeah, that's, that's great that you have it for them, but I, I tend to look at that as look, what, what service or product do you want? What do you want it to do? Well, I'll, I'll nail the scope for you and make sure you're getting every single, single thing that you need. And I'll show you examples of my work, but knowing how our open book business model sort of thing, I think that's more of like a, uh, I'm not saying a hundred percent white late, like, here you go, check it out. I'm yeah. not Elon Musk with, uh, <laughs> with uh, the light rail or any of that, but I'm, or the speed train or whatever it is. But I'm saying like, how do we justify our price? Because we're priced like an attorney, you know? Sure. And that's that's kind of the model I'm taking from. We need to track time if we're doing that. So it's one of those things where uh, I, I kind of like that attorneys that work on, they write every six minutes. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good accountability for this because there is a lot of like, your stuff might be more involved where you're you're kind of uh doing maybe more scrum meetings or doing like we're doing just more meetings in general as you're helping on a process whereas ours is like all right give me all the info and then you know we'll i'm going to do more scrum meetings in the future but like you know we'll we're just going to get all this work done and then we'll 
we'll get you to the edits to look over them. Well, you're being disciplined. That's what you got to do. I mean, yeah. But I just think, and I also think it would be interesting and, and kind of, uh, so commoditizing that maybe, if we figure out a better quoting method for services that it'll you can pull, if you can figure out what the market is demanding in your local area, mm-hmm. you know, let's say you're an attorney uh, and you charge uh, $3.95 because, you know, most of the big ones charge close to a grand or something. And you're just doing it just to kind of get that bid. Uh, just get in the door, like you're saying, when you're young, uh, when you're a young company or whatever. Um, but you also have, like, you can justify the time spent and, you know, here's what it looks like. You know, the hours I bid doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the actual hours spent. And you're also paying me for my knowledge right. at the same time. Value billing. Sure. So that's another, th- yeah. So that's another aspect to it. But also, you wanted these contracts done way quicker. So there's an increase. You know, there should be a, a coefficient to it, you know. Pay a premium for that, sure. Right, expedited service. And then and then the other part is I want to give a client score because ultimately if they're going to be a pain in the ass, I, we should be charging more because that admin time is going to eat. It's going to – I'm going to be like, hey, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Like right. I need this stuff. I need this stuff. I need this stuff. And if they keep delaying it, which delays us and technically our cash flows on our yeah. schedule – then there should be a pain in the ass score, as I'm calling it, you know, one to 10. And then if they're a pain in the ass at like nine, you know, we figure out whatever the mathematical coefficient of wasting my time is to our quote. If your client's a pain in the ass, though, why would you want to work with them again? You know, is it really worth it? It it might not be because they're a bad person, though. It might just be because they're super unorganized, you know? Still, though, I mean, do do you really want to put yourself through that as a business owner to, to... Depends on what kind of deal we're working on. Sometimes we do, you know, uh, licensing deals or sometimes we do cost per click advertising. You know, they'll pay for us to do that and then we'll have a VIG on everything sold. And it might be a good product, like one of the clients we have. (laughs) Ultimately, though, it's coming down to you know the value of your time. You know this client's going to eat up you know, 25% more of your time mm-hmm. and you're going to give them what it's worth. And it's uh, the, the pain part of it. It doesn't supersede the value at the end of the day for the project for you. Maybe so it depends. It just depends. Maybe it's not right for me to project manage. Maybe I need to pull in one of my partners or, or someone or another PM as a freelancer to come in yeah. like yourself and have more. Maybe it's just a mesh of personalities. Maybe I just don't have, sometimes that's a lot of it. I deal with that with designers, with graphic designers. You know, sometimes their style just isn't good for the client. So I have like 15 local ones here. Sometimes they don't have the labor capacity either. So it's like you got to kind of figure out who's who's right at the right time, but stylistically, you know, and uh, and timeline wise and all that stuff. So I've talked a lot about myself. Um, <laughs> I guess what's good advice that you like if you're meeting if you're just let's say we're uh, we're at something some big venue mm-hmm. in front of a bunch of business owners or something and uh, or people that want to own their own business one day or do their own deal I think our generation is really itching to like I want to be a part of something I want to be in a huge I have the ability to get this access of a lot of stuff like I've taught myself a lot of stuff via YouTube. Oh yeah. Um, and I think like the more and more I talk to m- friends around our age, the more they they want to do something that's satisfying. 
Um, there's always friends that want to have cash uh, more than anything, but I feel like a lot of people just want to be involved in, a, in in something that's got momentum in a good direction. I think it's the reason why you should start a business or become more involved with any organization that's got purpose. My whole platform, I talk about productivity on purpose because mm-hmm. if you can be as productive as you want, checking things off your list, your task manager, but if there's no purpose behind it, it's not getting you closer to what you ultimately see your lifestyle being and how you want to spend your time. There's just, you're not being productive. You're just killing time. So the advice would be first understand that, know your why, why you want to even get into it. Money will be a driver up front just to try to replace that income and get under the, the finger of the corporate man or whatever. But at the end of the day, asking yourself that, and this is a process that I had to go through, was once the money's there, if money's not an issue anymore, then, then how am I going to spend my time? And more often times than not, that's a one diff- a very difficult question to answer because people don't necessarily think about that. If I had all the money, what would I actually do with my time? Yeah. And then two, you can actually a lot of times do the things that you want to do if you had all the money in the world. Like I asked people, what would you do if you had all the money in the world? One time I, uh, to give a talk at the University of South Florida and one of the students said, well, I do yoga. I'm like, well, you do yoga? Like, why do you need all the money in the world to do yoga? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just right. Things like that. It's or free. I travel it's in the park. More. <laughs> <laughs> or I travel more or uh-huh. I go live in another country and then for, for the productivity perspective, I get the coaching piece of it. It's like, oh, that's what you want to do. You have this business. You're completely misaligned with what you want to do. So what small steps can we take to get you closer to that vision for your life? So if you want to go move into another country, okay, what's that going to take? I'm big on the next logical step, just breaking things down to their component parts, these monster elephant tasks. Mm-hmm. What's the next thing you need to do? And then after that, and then after that, because I'm a process-oriented guy. I think that's how I think. So I, I think that if um. If you want to get in business for yourself, understand your drivers, and it can't be money. Money's just a tool to get you ultimately where you want to go. Yeah, it's there's a minimum criteria. How about that? That's kind of how I I, I yeah. see it, I see it mathematically as well. So it's like, what are the constraints that I need? I need at least this much to I need to make this much, you know, a month. But I really want to work on that yoga studio. You know, mm-hmm. how do I do that? How do you how do you make money having a yoga studio? Oh, I got to kind of lease this space out like small baby leases to all the yogis in the in the whole area. Yeah. That's one part of it. How and then you're like then you start thinking of the productivity of the of the room you have. You're like, "Okay, I can fit 30 mats in here comfortably without ruining customer experience." Uh and I think I can charge, you know, 15 a class or whatever and you you kind of start reverse engineering it a little bit. You know, absolutely. So yeah, making make a plan is what you're talking about. Again, the big stumbling block that I ran into when I was when I after I had my seizure, <laughs> the next uh, five years yeah. after that, was trying to build this thing on the side. Whereas you don't have the time that you would if you just dove. So there's this paradigm where if you're all in, go all in, burn the ships, or build this thing on the side over time until you have enough reserves to go ahead and take the leap, which is the way ultimately I did it. Uh-huh. Uh, but looking back on it, uh, if I would have calculated and factored in the opportunity cost of me staying with this company yeah. versus how much I potentially could be making if I took this leap at the, at the other time is a different way to look at it. So maybe just having enough to get by until you do and being diligent about predicting when you'd have 
certain pieces of income for this new business idea that you're having, mm-hmm. how much you have at various times, and then what checkpoints along the way to know whether you're on track and how to pivot. So thinking through that stuff takes a lot more discipline versus just building up this huge nest egg, then leaping and not knowing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I to- and that's what I tell everybody. Hey, uh, <laughs> you want to be a, a fashion consultant? Great. Start with a website and start blogging. Start have a blog once a week, and if you miss that, uh, you you make yourself donate five hundred dollars or something like that. You so you know about stick? You I, stick guy? I don't know any of these things. Oh, I just okay. I just like this I love is, that though. This is all just like how I think. I I mean like that's the advice I I gave to someone, and I was like, all right, do this. Spend ten hours a week. Figure out how to chunk out ten hours yeah. after your forty-five hour a week job. It's doable if especially if you don't have kids and like you're able-bodied and you've got a decent job that's consistent. A lot of people have that, that want to have a wandering eye. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell them. Find 10 hours and spin it over in that way. But with that blog idea and being consistent in your content over time, that might be more of a portfolio. Also, you're going to get more introverted and kind of think about how, how you think to talk to people. And so it's all in a good direction. You know, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of times something like 10 hours might be overwhelming for people. So I just start small wins for me. For somebody who just doesn't even have any idea what to do or start or just, just they're in their corporate world and they have this just this idea. It's like, well, what habit can you develop that you know you're going to knock out of the park? Yeah. Maybe it's just five minutes a day. That's fine. Like, OK, what can you do in five minutes? And you just don't break that five minute chain each day. Right. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be a huge chunk because then if you don't hit that huge chunk then you start feeling like a failure and they just want to go back and curl up and put the sheets over your head <laughs> in the bed or whatever. Right. So yeah, small wins, man. Like even with exercise and stuff, I only shoot for 15 minutes a day. Like if I can get in for 15 minutes, more than likely I'll go for 45. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. I've got the yoga mat in the office because I need a little break. I'll sit down and, I, and if I'm at my best, I'll spend that time and I'll do DDP yoga or something like that. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. Nice. It's got a little yoga. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. I didn't know. It's, it's like hardcore. <laughs> but like I need that break. I need my heart rate up. But I my, I have a bad back. I got bad hips. And I can't keep bitching about that without doing something about it. So while we're doing great business wise, you know, my my uh, health my health isn't as good as it should be. And I know I'm better. I'm more productive if I got up every morning and did some kind of physical activity. But it's almost counterintuitive. You almost need to learn the hard way. For me, it was sleep. I, I It was really, yeah. really hard for me to understand the value of that until I forced myself for a week to go to bed at 9.30 at all costs. You talk about accountability. We talked about uh, mm-hmm. at the beginning of mm-hmm. it's harder to lose something is to gain. So he said the $500 thing they have is it's brilliant. And I need to become a, an affiliate or something. This uh, platform called stick.com. It's S-T-I-C-K-K. Uh-huh. Or maybe it's just S-T-I-K-K. I can't remember. But the whole premise is you set your goal, you find an accountability coach or referee, I think they call it. Yeah. Somebody that you know is going to be hardcore, hold your feet to the fire, mm-hmm. and you put money in the line. And the money, not only do you lose it, but you lose it to like an anti-charity. Oh. So <laughs> something. You're like, this went to the KKK. Exactly. Like, what? Stick, KK. Like, what are you doing, man? I didn't yeah. want to give to that. And you're like, sorry, you suck. <laughs> like, and your referee's the one that signs it off. So you got to get somebody <laughs> you know is going to hold your feet to the fire. Unless it didn't get done, I'm not going to let you have your money. You're going to lose it. So it provides a lot of incentive. Mine's to going to lazy that comedians that bitch about their uh, their plight in life. Uh, 
think I saw that as a pull down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the drop down was like, uh, do you want to uh, donate to lazy comedians that play Halo all the time and bitch about not getting stage time? <laughs> 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 um, but uh, that's interesting. Uh, so there's, I think there's a Freakonomics episode about um, that accountability where like, all right, you like watching uh, House of Cards. Fine. While you're watching House of Cards, bang out 400 sit-ups while you're sitting there. And that's kind of what I do. I I try yeah. to be efficient with the time. I, I love the show Bloodline. Uh, it's a commitment to watch it. Like, <laughs> and like I'm catching up because my wife wants to watch it with me. And I'm trying to catch up, but I don't have a lot of time. I'm like, if I'm watching TV, it's because I'm just trying to fade out and go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and so, like... I was like, okay, I'll catch up on all this stuff, you know, but I'm going to sit there and like, I'm going to work out while I'm doing it. I can still pay attention. I'll keep my mind on it, but at least I'm getting something done, that kind of thing. Or more what Freakonomics was talking about, I think, was uh, rewarding yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you're only allowed to watch TV if if you're already doing some kind of stretching floor exercise. Uh, and get that over with for the day. I totally yeah. agree, man. I do. I talk about that all the time. And uh, podcasting, another, or podcast, listening to podcasts is another great way to multitask when you're working out. If you can focus on what you're doing, I guess. But um, yeah, like social media. So say people just want to veg out and get on social media and stuff. That's just such a distraction nowadays. But a lot of times, I'll tell clients that look, get that one thing that you need to do for the day, and we can work out what is the one thing that's the tough part like what is that one thing you need to do today or this week or this month uh-huh. but then once that's done reward yourself with half an hour on social media you know just stuff like that like don't deprive yourself but set it up in such a way that it's not consuming you right right yeah uh you know <laughs> i think the average person like opens facebook like an absurd amount a day like 13 times and it's like well done facebook you got us you got us <laughs> now we can't leave right. we if we're on there and you're kind of active, you, it's going to be really hard to leave, even though right now is a little tough with the Orlando stuff and everybody mm-hmm. throwing out their opinions on all that. And, um, you know, uh, but it is cool to see people throwing out, you know, the line in Orlando for getting your blood done. So for me, I have to keep up with it a little bit, but I know I can reduce the amount I'm on there. You know, it's like yeah. I find myself like you flicking through that or Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And it's like, what am I, d- I can go read a book right now. <laughs> like, sure. And like get a way more out of that and, you know, keep my mind kind of a little bit more sane. I think the habit is just trying to be deliberate with your time. How can you just be more deliberate with your time and not being a Nazi about it and schedule every five minutes in your calendar, leaving the buffers, you know, putting the mm-hmm. blocks of whatever it is you need to do. The thing that I've been experimenting with a little bit lately is I have a retainer client that sucks up anywhere from, I don't know, 10 to 20 hours a week, depending on what's going on. So typically my bogey to work on his work is about two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that leaves me about six hours because I'm committed. As a productivity guy, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like we talked about that earlier. Yeah. You know, I, I need to work, leave work on time and, and make it work. Even though I'm building a business, I still need to leave work on time. And I'm not going to be that guy who's working 60, 70 hours well, a week. Well, you got three kids people. too. You just had a kid, right? I do, yeah. So, so that's, another, that's another monkey wrench in there as far as like it's going to knock your sleep. It's going to, you know. Yes. Uh, and it, it's exponentially harder with three kids than it is with one. You but know. there's little hacks too. I, okay, so I got six hours as mm-hmm. my bogey. Uh-huh. I want to schedule four hours of work. Yeah. Two hours buffer. So if I got a really crappy night's sleep, then I got two hours to where I can take a nap and eat lunch or check email. Like there's 
four hours of really, really good work, which is probably 95% better than the average office worker. Yeah. You're getting four hours of solid work. And especially if you're doing it with the Pomodoro stuff where you're doing it every 25 to 50 minutes, you're taking those breaks and you're, you're being okay. focused when you do it. So that's all I really try to get done every day. Now it's just that four hours. And I make sure there's two hours of, of gaps, two hours with the reta- retainer client. If I don't need to do any work on the retainer client, then okay, I got another two hours of gaps. So it just lets me be a little bit one deliberate with my time because I know exactly what I'm, it forces my thinking to say, okay, what do I absolutely need to get done today? Yep. Cause I only do it for four hours. And then it allows me to fill it in with other stuff that might come up without beating myself up for getting, I don't know, being on crafting an email for 45 oh, minutes or I something. Mean, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I need to start messing around with like, uh, uh, what is it? I think you hit uh, the function button twice and it'll, it'll write out everything you're saying. I need to start using that because, mm. dude, those emails, if I waste 30 minutes writing an email, I want to kill myself. Like, that's like, God damn it. Like, uh, and I write ones that are, it take me an hour or more. And it's like, <laughs> and then after I write it, I'm like, that person's not even going to read the whole fucking thing. So it's like, I'm just doing this to have legal timestamp a lot of the time. You know, <laughs> like, what am I doing? What are, this is a waste. So yeah. I, I'm trying to get more efficient on that side. I feel like I waste a lot of time falling back with people. And if I can just get on this mic, really, or uh, I have a mic in my desk, and just bang out. Dictate it? I can, yeah, I can do that a lot quicker and then edit, you know, a, mi- a couple minutes. But well, That'd be good for you because you're on the stage. You're used to doing that without ha- kind of stammering through what you have to say. But I think the uh, average you haven't person, seen that'd my st- You haven't seen my stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean, what I would do is I'd probably write bullet points out on a, on a scratch piece and then sure. just try to break those out. I, you know. That's a really effective way to do it, actually. Just having the in, for anything, if you're giving a speech or a presentation or probably a comedy routine, just knowing what are those bullets you want to say and filling them in is so much more. So what Patrice O'Neill said, he's like, I know the punchline. I know how I'm going to start. I don't know how I'm going to get there. And that's, that's how cool. I've always kind of I've once I heard that, that clicked a lot. It plus my memory is bad. And so it's like I have to have that outline form as I'm memorizing it. And I'll keep writing the set list over and over and over until it kind of sticks That's and I cool. change my set list all the time. So it's, it's no, I don't think I've done the same set list in like five years or something like that. So, yeah. you know, uh, that's a Louis CK thing. He's like, just mix it up. It'll make you better. So like your closer, just put it at the int- at the beginning or the middle or something and just, it makes the other bit stronger and for blogging too. I really, I learned that recently that write your intro, write your closing remarks first so yeah. that you know where you're going versus I used to just write endlessly and all of a sudden I had like 2,000 word blog posts I'm like what, what is this it's good content but nobody's gonna read 2,000 words you know yeah, unless it's like something that where it is that concentrated like you have a medium blog and like mm-hmm. that's that's where that should be you know like that's for readers kind of thing um, or your readers on your site are, are like into that but most people still you're grabbing them while they're taking a shit. <laughs> you're right, Let's face you're it. Right. You know, if you can get them, what I say is like, if you're doing content writing where you get them to, uh, their, their legs fall asleep cause they're on their phone. You've done a good job. <laughs> I like that. Uh, we'll close this out in a few minutes. I mean, like, do you have it? What's, uh, we'll close it out in a couple minutes, I guess, but any pragmatic advice, anything, any efficiency advice or any apps people should get or what, what like, if you only have a couple seconds to tell someone like what's going on, what can you tell them? You know, and the let's go entrepreneurs, the people that want to do something. They want to be on Shark Tank. They've got an idea, or they they want to open a restaurant or a bar. What would you tell them 
they need like what's a good hack or a good like uh discipline to do the best hack i can say is get around people that are doing what you're doing it's Ooh, a, if yeah. i wouldn't have gosh man i spun my wheels for five years just in my i used to go to work at the office find a conference room to hide into for for two hours <laughs> crank on my little book that i was writing and it's just i don't want to get into what i was doing but it was ridiculous and it was just it's called me. a manifesto but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> learning learn i was just learning all by myself i didn't have any i didn't know any entrepreneurs at all uh and if i would have just taken the time to research the different organizations in the area and found people that are doing what i'm doing and learn from them man it would have been just so much quicker you know? yeah so that's the biggest act i could say just find somebody and and copy what they're doing but do it your own way yeah, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys kind of deal. It is. Yeah, it's that thing of like, I, I'm the same way. Like, I can't, it took me a while to get that too. Like, you love some of your friends growing up, but some of them just, they're depressed or they're, they just don't have the motor yet or they, or they don't have like, they're not, they don't care about their life enough to like kind of do a lot of stuff. <laughs> like, even if you're yeah. like, just experience life. You should just be doing, I was always doing just a lot of stuff just because I just wanted I don't want to sit inside. I did that. Like I said, I did that until I got into undergrad, uh, the entrepreneurship program. I was like, Oh, I want to like do a lot of things. I want to experience things. And like, even though I was broke, I'd still go like, I don't know. I've never been, you know, I've never been, uh, I've never been hunting. I'll just, I don't like guns, but I'll just, I'll go with my buddy just to see what it's like. Yeah. it sucks, <laughs> but <laughs> getting a tree stand at like 5 a.m., fuck that noise. I'm not right. doing that again, but I've done it. And so, you know, it's that like sometimes you just never know kind of stuff, but surround yourself with active people too. Like definitely, I one of the best roommates I had, and he was one of my groomsmen, he would wake me up and be like, you're not sleeping in, let's go. We're going to go do something. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I wish I wish I had that kind of gumption yeah, all the time. It's almost like an accountability partner. So I think the, the second level that's so definitely looking for people that are better than you metaphorically i guess doing what you want to do someday but then i read it recently in a book called stop chasing influencers by the jared easley he's the owner of the podcast movement Mm -hmm. conference Mm -hmm. and he said really pay attention to your third tier not your your a-listers your b-list but your third tier the people that are on your same level that have the same motivation that you do and grow with them so he gives the example of dave ramsey michael hyatt and dan miller Mm-hmm. Those three guys have been collaborating for 20 years, but they all started about the same level and they grew together. They support each other. They, you know, influenced or, or marketed each other's different services together and partnered and worked and stuff. So finding those people that are at that have the same mindset as you that aren't necessarily there, too, is a really good advice because they they can help hold you accountable. That's a really good way to conceptualize it because I'm visual and I visualize that and I, I put you in that tertiary circle because you're doing what you're doing we're doing we're both doing it kind of you know i'm not sure how old you are i'm 31 but 37 you know a new 37 though yeah well (laughs) you've got more energy than i do so um but i'm saying like that's where i'd put you in that kind of band uh i don't know why i'm thinking of like an ozone layer but something like that where it's kind of like tears tears out of that i don't know why my brain's weird um all right well look we'll have you back on man because there's way too much uh there's way too much stuff you can impart obviously uh, just names of f- philosophies alone <laughs> and efficiency. Sure. Uh, but I think this is really good. And if, uh, if you like this, uh, make it snappy. Uh, when do you, when do you release them? I, I'm not sure. Uh, 
right now I'm doing uh, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. Um, probably going to go to Monday nights and Thursday nights just because put a little bit more space in between, but it's makeasnappyshow.com mm-hmm. for the website and then forward slash podcast for the podcast. And then for your uh, your company, it, what's the uh – do you have do you have any plug for that or? Yeah, I mean, I'm doing it all now through the Make a Snappy brand. I mean, look, my name's Nick Snap, and people have been making a brand out of my name my entire life, and finally doing something about it. So I'm starting there. So that there's links to my my company's called Inspire Me Solutions because I really the whole n- notion of in, inspiring people to take action is, is empowering to me. So cool. That's why I named the company the way I did. But uh, yeah. Give me a call. We'll make it snappy. <laughs> right on, man. Well, if uh, if anybody wants to email me, I'll, I'll can forward you to uh, Nick. But uh, or you have a guest in mind, you got a question we want to bring up on air. Uh, my email is lawtokoworks l a w t o c o w o r k s dot com. Uh, yeah, that's my radio kind like of uh, breakdown. W M B C. But if um, you know, uh, uh, I love where this podcast is going. I like where yours is going. I've listened to the last three. Thanks, man. Uh, like the high production value and you kind of, <laughs> you are efficient interviewer <laughs> too. <laughs> so that's, that's, it, it bleeds through when I was listening to it, but, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have you back on and, uh, keep it snappy. That'd be great, man.